Our topic this morning is going to be uh, financial wisdom. Now, I actually expected to hear a groan from people because for those of you that are watching some of our old sermon series, I did one on fasting a couple of years ago that we've been featuring in this time of prayer and fasting. And so this one, will, this is probably everybody's going to go, oh, why do we, why do we have to tackle this one? Well, we're going to tackle this one because uh, Proverbs has a lot to say about it. Uh, and the second reason is that um, it's one of the major things in our lives that we need to deal with. And so... On that note, I'm going to start in with a little background. So for those of you that I haven't met before, my name is Richard Jones. I'm an elder here at the Harbor, and it's my pleasure to be talking about this this morning. And just a reminder uh, from our series over the last few weeks about what is wisdom as we define it in, in Proverbs. So wisdom is knowing what to do. So there's a knowledge component. It's knowing how to get it done. Again, that's a knowledge component. It's knowing when to get it done. It's knowing with whom to get it done. There's a really important point in there which says we don't have to do everything ourselves. In fact, that's going to be one of the principles, I think, that, that are, is going to get covered off as we go through Proverbs. And following through and getting it done. So there's an action component to it as well. So I want to, I wanna, this is a theme that's going to uh, come through uh, my message this morning. It's this wisdom versus knowledge. And so... Knowledge is you know, what we have in our head when we learn about something or we have experience with it. That's knowledge. But wisdom is, uh, my, to sum up those, those uh, points there, wisdom is actually knowing what to do with the knowledge. And we, are, we live in a society that has the most access to knowledge it, unparalleled in human history. The access to knowledge we have, it's unbelievable. By the way, there's lots of false knowledge out there and there's lots of, lots of stuff you need to be discerning with. But... More than ever, we need to be able to apply that knowledge in a way that we show wisdom. That's never been in excess. I think that's in short supply everywhere today. So I'm going to speak, I'm going to, speak to us mostly as a fellowship of people who have some knowledge. Most of the topics I'm going to talk about, I think you'll have the knowledge of them for sure. And most of, so most of today is really about how do we apply that knowledge. And so the other thing I want to uh, emphasize, you know, Wisdom is knowing plus doing, I guess, is really what I was, kind of what I, the point I wanted to make there. So we know a lot. What we need to do is figure out how to put, the, put it into action. So why am I the person speaking about this topic? Did I draw the short straw and have to do it? No, I actually volunteered to do this one. And one of the reasons I volunteered to do it is because um, I don't mind talking about money. So, you know, some, this is kind of a, I think it's a bit of a truism in inside churches. Uh, many leaders don't like to talk about money because it looks like, oh, we're just asking for money and all that stuff. Well, money is a, money is just a thing. It's you know, it's an animate thing. It you know, on its own, there's nothing special about it. And so, in my, you know, in my corporate environment, I have a lot of knowledge. So my business career, I'll share my age here indirectly. My business career is I started working 39 years ago in full time employment, and I've you know, been really blessed to have a, a pretty varied career, but, uh, and at different times, well, actually, almost every job I've ever had, there's a component I have to manage finances, so money to me is a thing to be managed in a, in a corporate world. You know, some of the jobs I've had, um, I've worked for large organizations where I had, you know, financial responsibility for tens of millions of dollars. In fact, one of the jobs I had one year, or not one year, but one of my 
jobs. I was responsible for $150 million in revenue and hundreds of people working for it. Money's just a thing. The number doesn't really matter. I've also led uh, technology startups where literally I did not know how I was going to make payroll in two weeks. So I've sort of seen one extreme to the other when it comes to a business. So the thing I want, so I have a lot of knowledge about it. Um, but here's the thing, uh, I, in my own personal life, I have failed to exercise wisdom around this thing. So I'm going to be very, as transparent as I can be to, this morning with you about struggles that I've had using, you know, wisdom, using the knowledge I had in a wise way. So that's probably the main reason why I put my hand up to talk about this topic. I want you to know that I'm not going to sit here as a guru and say, I got it all figured out. I'm about to write a book. I want you to buy it because it's so good. I got it all figured out. I do not. In fact, if I ever give you investment advice, you should ignore it because I've made every mistake in the book. So I will not be writing a book on that topic. But what I do want is why I do feel qualified to talk about it is because this is something that I've studied a lot. It's, a, it's an issue that I've had to wrestle to the ground in my own in my own faith journey, and it's an issue I still struggle with. So, I'll, as you know, as when some of these things subjects come up, I'll be transparent with you and share some of the struggles I've had with it. So, that's my you know that's my qualifications, I guess, if I could call it that. So, let's start off kind of generically. What does the Bible say about money? Well. The Bible has a lot to say about money. Why? You know, well, the writers of the Bible weren't infatuated with money, but the writers of the Bible were inspired by, you know, by the Holy Spirit to write what was put on their hearts. And, the, and you know, we, we all struggle with money. You know, Jesus talked a lot. In fact, as I was doing some research for this, I couldn't even list a tenth of the scriptures where Jesus talked about money or wealth or possessions and he, I, I actually have read this. I haven't confirmed it myself, but it said he talked about money more than anything else in the, what's recorded in scriptures. You know, why did, why did Jesus talk about this a lot? Well, here's why, here's in my own life, here's why I think Jesus talked about it a lot. First thing, money and wealth and possessions, they can become false gods. They can be, and remember, uh, when we pursue the accumulation of money, Ahead of God, that's, an, that's a form of idol worship. You know, I used to think, you know, I was maybe a teenager, who would be stupid enough to bow down and worship a golden calf or a chunk of wood? Well, that's, I'd say, oh, nobody would worship idols today. Well, as I've gotten older, I've realized, oh, was really wrong. There's a lot of idols that we can worship today. And money is, I would say money is probably the biggest one and has really subtle ways that we do it. But remember, an, you know, an idol is something that comes between our, you know, our first and foremost commitment to serve God and to worship him. Uh, and so what does, how does God feel about idol worship? Well, I think you'd inherently understand, not very good. So I picked a scripture that's pretty plain about this. This is Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 to 6. This is where Moses is receiving the Ten Commandments and other directives from God directly. So this is God speaking to Moses and here it is, it says, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. This is my emphasis on the next one. You shall have no other gods before me. That was the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. Okay. So you're thinking, well, I don't, you know, I don't have any other gods before me. Well, read this. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. 
You shall not bow down to them and serve them. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. So substitute money in there for something that you know looks like a carved idol. You shall not bow down and serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. So right out of the gate, you know, God detests idol worship. And, and when we don't have the proper wisdom around our finances, we are subtly or maybe subconsciously worshiping an idol. Okay, you know, we're back to wisdom literature. How can we be financially wise? Um, so there, I, I think there's two general themes that run through the Bible about money. The first theme is the one we're going to focus on mostly today, which is we, we, we need wisdom, godly wisdom, to make wise decisions about money. So we want to make wise financial decisions. What's interesting is that we can use this wisdom whether we're a follower of Jesus or not. In fact, if you remember, a few weeks ago, we did a, there was a, Braden actually did a message on uh, sexuality. Well, it's interesting, you know, I think the analogy was God created us in his image and the Bible is his instruction manual on how we should live our life from, a, you know, in, uh, in relationships and sexual relationships. And when we veer outside that, bad stuff happens it's sinful and so this is kind of the same thing that there's a lot of wisdom just godly wisdom applies even if you're not a a believer in Jesus so that's the first interesting theme as I research this the second one is uh, is that there are spiritual implications to the way that we look at wealth and so I I phrased it this way I said this means reorienting the way you honor God with the financial resources he has given you Uh, This means reorienting the way you honor God with the financial resources he has given you. So we'll talk about that a bit more. Periodically, uh, we do a sermon series on this theme about, you know, how to reorient ourselves around that. And so there's been some, I've personally benefited a lot from that over the last 10 or 15 years uh, being here when we've done those. And I've tried to realign, you know, some of the things that I do when it comes to money and the way that I honor God with it. Okay, so... In Proverbs, I'm going to start off with a really fantastic block of scripture. How can we be financially wise? And uh, it's not all about finances, but it really sets the tone. From Proverbs 3, uh, 5 to 10. So some of this you guys will recognize that there are you know, some really uh, famous, well-used Proverbs here. And it kind of ties into uh, money. So verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. So I just read that again. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. That sounds like abundance to me and I'm not even a farmer or a winemaker, I guess. So that leads us to our first principle. So I've, I've got five financial wisdom foundations today for us to go through. Honor the Lord with your wealth. So that's number one. And again, just to, that scripture that we just read Um, some points on that God is the provider of our wealth he is a master and we are the servant so that's a very big principle that underlies this to honor the Lord even though I put the word your wealth it's his wealth that he's allowed you to use 
So let's, let's take that it's my finances, it's my bank account, it's my, my, my. It's, you're a steward of what God has allowed you to have. And in that term, you know, uh, basically honor the Lord with the first fruits of, your, of your, all your produce, that's a reference to tithing. And again, you know, that's a big fundamental thing that, that applies in that spiritual implication of how we, how we deal with money. And a couple of quick points on this. Don't have time. There's a whole sermon in here on this one. So tithing means bringing, not giving. So again, you can't give God something he already owns. It's like, you know, if you give a pres, if I give my, uh, if I give my car keys to my 16-year-old son and say, hey, go, you know, you can go drive the car. And he goes, and he comes back and he says, thanks, Dad, I'm giving you your, I'm giving you my car. It's like, well, no, you don't even own it. I just let you use it. So think about that. That's when we bring a tithe. In fact, we're, pretty deliberate about that language in this church when we say hey you know we're going to give God our offering we try to say we're going to bring God we're going to honor God by bringing to him our uh, our tithe a tithe is a tenth it's a it's a tenth of your gross income just like if you're a farmer and you were reading you know Proverbs 3 verse 9 and 10 it's like honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits what are first fruits that's the first ones you get those are the most valuable ones those are the ones that are probably the the ones you're fussing over the most and those are the ones that because they have value when you give them to God when you bring them to God you honor God with them uh, by the way tithing is like the bait once, you, once you're a follower of Jesus and not everybody gets there right away I you know Nancy and I went from for many years and didn't tithe and we struggled with money or we argued over a lot and as soon as we started tithing the arguments kind of melted away but once you once you get to that point where you're tithing you're almost assuredly you're going to move to the next level which is generosity which is above that you're going to be generous it means you're probably going to give it doesn't always have to be money but you're going to, you're probably going to do it that way and then a few of us move into the realm of sacrificial giving where there's some spectacular giving um i i have a sense that we that we're going to see that here at the harbor and i i have a, a feeling of that just because of you know the way the holy spirit is moving in people's lives and i think the you know god wants to bless us when we're faithful, and I think we've been faithful in faithful over the years as a fellowship with our finances, and I think God's going to bless us. I, God blessed us with this property, folks. For those of you that know the history, you know this property kind of found us in the middle of COVID, and so and we had just enough money for the down payment, and there were all kinds of other stuff things that had to happen. So, you know, God, you know, even though we have the mortgage in our name, you know, God blessed us with this with this facility. Financial. Whoop. Financial uh, Wisdom Foundation one, again, just to say, your, our, your wealth is a gift from God. Think of it as a gift every day. Don't think of it as my money. And, you know, he allows us to use it. So, again, be wise and honor God with this gift of money, wealth, or possessions, or whatever you're given. So, if I stop there, I'd say that's probably the most fundamental principle in, in Proverbs about financial wisdom. Number two, be generous. So there are a lot of scriptures in Proverbs about generosity. I picked some of them out here and I'll just read through them. Proverbs 14, 31, whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. So again, when we're generous to the needy, we honor our maker. 21, 25, and 26, the, the desire of the sluggard kills him for his hands refuse to labor. All day long he craves and craves, but the righteous gives 
and does not hold back. I think we all know people that complain, oh, I never have enough money, blah, blah, blah. And they're usually people that aren't working hard. They're people that just wanted to drop in their lap and basically the desire of the sluggard. I think Braden mentioned that a couple of weeks ago. That's a, an ESV translation. That's a word that, that pops up a lot in Proverbs. Proverbs 11.24 says, one gives freely. This is a person. A, one, one gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. So this is the spirit of generosity. When, when a person gives freely and generously, somehow he ends up richer. And when a person, you know, oh, I don't have enough to give, I'm worried about this or I'm worried about that, withholds what he should be giving, he ends up poorer. So it seems like a bit of a paradox. It's not. Here's why. God honors people that, that are generous. That's what the scripture says. Last one here says, whoever gives to the poor will not want, but he who hides his eyes will get many a curse. So what, again, what they're saying is, you know, be generous in your giving and trust that God's going to honor that generosity because you're honoring him. Number three, hard work will be rewarded. Laziness won't. Um, Proverbs 6, 10, 11. A little sleep, a little slumber, a, a, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. So he's not talking about, uh, you know, 10-minute nap at noon or something like that. He's just talking about, oh, I'm just going to hit the snooze button or I can't show up at work today. He's not feeling it. Um, and basically, you know, it's, it, there's, a, there's a diligence. You're going to see that word come up. A, Proverbs 10.4, a slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Diligence is just doing the hard work, doing the right thing over time. And you build a, you build a, I would say a foundation in your own life of just about being diligent. Proverbs 13, 4, the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. So there's this real locked in concept. If you're diligent with your work and you work hard, uh, your work will be rewarded. But, some of these proverbs have some buts to them. This one is, don't work to acquire wealth for the sake of just acquiring it. And here's, here's Proverbs 23, 4 and 5. Hits us right on. Do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. Mm. When your eyes light on it, it is gone. For suddenly it sprouts wings, flying like an eagle toward heaven. So that is a really kind of poetic, but really kind of graphic statement about hard work is going to be rewarded, but it's not going to be rewarded so you can make money to hoard it. Do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. Number four, our wisdom foundation is, uh, financial wisdom foundation number four, don't be greedy. This goes back to hoarding again. Proverbs 119, such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. That means gain that you didn't work for. It takes away the life of its possessors. Proverbs fifteen twenty seven. Whoever is greedy for unjust gain troubles his own household, but he who hates bribes will live. One of the things that consistently comes up in Proverbs is officials taking bribes, you know, judges taking bribes or people, uh, you know, bribing king's officials or something like that. Proverbs 23, 4 to 5. This is one we just had a minute ago as well. Do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. 
because when your eyes light on it, it is gone, for suddenly it sprouts wings, flying like an eagle toward heaven. What it says, when your eyes light on it, when you start focusing on it and being obsessed with it and hoarding it, it's going to disappear. Financial Wisdom Foundation number five. Uh, don't be a slave to debt. Proverbs 22, 7. The rich rules over the poor and the borrower is a slave of the lender. You know, most debt is to be avoided. And I put this up, and I, this isn't actually in Proverbs, but it's, I think it's good, good, wise advice. You know, one of the few exceptions to, to, to being in debt is if you're borrowing money for a home mortgage. And the reason I kind of think that's okay is that you're, you're actually acquiring a place to live and you're acquiring your, you know, it's an asset that can grow in wealth. But, and this is a really big, really important point today, you know, you need to, you can't sacrifice, oh, I'm gonna, I have to stop tithing or I have to stop being generous because I need to make my mortgage payment, then I'd say that's poor debt. That's poor, that's more debt than you need. And I'm very sympathetic to, uh, I know, you know, several people who are looking for homes and the prices are outrageous and it's just not a healthy situation here right now, uh, it, really all across Canada around housing prices. But I would just want to say, uh, most debt is bad. So I'm going to, you remember one of the things that I said I was going to try to do is be a bit transparent. So this has probably been the number one struggle that I've had with my personal finances over the, you know, probably over my lifetime, to be honest. So I am a, I'm very, I'm very cavalier with debt. So instead of um, how I would say being super focused on paying it off or not getting there in the first place, I have routinely um, ended up in debt, not, not crushing debt that I can't pay, but I've ended up in debt instead of saving for it first and paying for it later. So, uh, it, so I, it, it's, it started to really trouble me in the last few years because I have to question, you know, why, it, why is that? It's, it's a bit of an addiction. It's, it, so again, if you study good Christian authors on financial things, it's like the, you know, financial institutions want to get you on a hook. It is literally like offering up candy to, uh, to a baby. Like they're just, it's super hard to resist. It's so easy, like literally you don't have to do anything. You have to click a yes button and new credit card shows up and 100,000, you know, aeroplan points and all this great stuff. So I'm going to share this with you. And, and again, I'm being transparent here. Uh, for somebody that had a lot of knowledge and did stuff. So roughly, I don't know, 14 years ago or something like that, um, I decided that I was going to leave my corporate job or, you know, the companies I worked at, I didn't even know what our cash flow was. It was just a lot in the bank accounts. People looked after it. And I started working in, I started working in a uh, tech startup. So I actually was the CEO of a couple. And um, I... When I started that, I had my, uh, my family, we had no debt. We paid everything off. We literally had, had no debt. And um, I started to get involved in investing in startups that I was working in. And so over the course of several years, I, that continued to snowball. And sometimes, as I said, I'm not going to go into all the details, but sometimes I, I rationalized that like, hey, I'm the leader of this company and, you know, somebody's got to you know, help us in times when there's a deficit of paying for, you know, paying for making payroll. So sometimes I borrowed money to make payroll in our, in our startups, which is, uh, which is unwise, and, but I did it anyway, and I kind of rationalized it. 
And by the way, we raised money, I think, over the time I was working in startups, I think, you know, the companies I was working with raised about $4 million from venture capitalists and up. So, so you're always in fundraising mode and you start to, I think the wisdom that I knew in my, the knowledge I had in my head started to get, the wisdom part of it started to get filtered away. So I put, so I basically ended up with way more debt than I ever would have said I wanted to have, you know, and so it's, again, it's why it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a, it gains momentum. I guess is the way I would say it. So when you, there's some, we have some resources to great, some great financial planning, uh, Christian financial planning resources to help people out and you have to reverse that. It's called the debt snowball. It keeps getting bigger and bigger. Well, you need to actually make it a debt repayment snowball and pay it back. So, so, so again, this is one of the cases where in my life that the debt piece of it is like borrow now and pay it off, which usually I have the means to do it, but that's unwise. So I want you to say, and uh, this is one of those cases where the knowledge didn't transfer into wisdom the way it should have. So um, again, it's not, it's something that I look back on and say, well, that was dumb. I don't lay awake at night thinking about it and worrying about it, but I've tried to change that, you know, kind of change that, uh, change that approach and that attitude. Okay, so here's a recap of the five things that I, I put, I, I extracted out of Proverbs. The first one is just to run through these. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Number two, be generous. Number three, work, hard work will be rewarded. Laziness will not be rewarded. Number four, don't be greedy. In other words, don't be a hoarder of money. And number five, don't be a slave to debt. So I put those five together. I see a couple of people with their phones out. That's why I put those together in one slide. So the next part of this is uh, something that um, I'll share a little. I'll share a little approach that I've been using. So um, I had this message done, and then I said, "Well, I wonder what people. What, what would people who are just tackling this for the first time, especially people who aren't who aren't followers of Jesus, where would they go for their information?" So I. But, oh, I'm going to go to an, an AI program and see what it tells me. So I actually, I do this in my work, actually. I work with companies, and we come up with a plan, and I sort of do as a sanity check. Well, what, what are they going to find out? So basically, I, I use chat GPT is what I use, and so I, I put this prompt in. I said, what does the book of Proverbs say about money? So basically, you know, it chugs away for a couple of minutes. It comes back, and it had like a page of stuff. So I'm going to read what what. Uh, chat GPT told me when I typed this in uh, and uh, there's four things that it's, these are the summary blocks money is a blessing from God but it is not the ultimate goal of life yeah, that sounds pretty good money should be earned honestly and diligently not by dishonesty or lazy, laziness yeah that's right uh, money should be managed wisely and prudently not foolishly or wastefully and money should be shared generous, generously and graciously not selfishly or greedily. So we'd all look at that and go, oh, well, that makes good sense. But here is what I want to, is where I want you to be discerning. So I read through that, and maybe all except the first one, which uses the word God in it, every piece of advice that's there could have come from a non-Christian author. In fact, they could have come from somebody with evil intentions to, you know, get you to, so, so basically, there's a mammoth amount of financial. Like if, you, if you look for, hey, give me a, how many books are there in financial management? There's probably 100,000. I want you to be really discerning about which ones you use. 
because there's just principles that don't have to be, a godly person doesn't have to have written that book. And one of the things that, that didn't show up, by the way, in those principles was a principle of you know, honoring God with your wealth and tithing and stuff like that. So I want, us to be, I want us to be really discerning about where we get our financial advice. And this is because you know, we need to have the spiritual side of how we use money in here. So again, I'm just encouraging you, be discerning. When, uh, somebody may give you advice that sounds good. It's like, yeah, you know, don't be a slave to debt. Okay, that sounds good. But there's other principles in here, and that's what I'm gonna, that's what I'm gonna cover off really at a very, very high level with the second part of my presentation here. I have, a, I have a little bit of a confession. I was gonna do up a slide that said, there's only 55 more points to go, and then I could sort of outgun Braden, who has sometimes a lot of points. But I didn't, but I thought I would put it in there because it's funny. So Jesus talked about money and issues relating to it many times in his teaching. I already said that. You know, but his teachings were less about like wisdom, kind of proverbial wisdom, and more about the spiritual effect of money and wealth. There are so many scriptures, I can't even list them all today. So I just picked out a few. And as we read through these, think about how that affects our spiritual, the, affects the way that we honor God and the way that our, it affects our spiritual relationship with Jesus. Mark 4.18, this is the parable of the sower, which Jesus told in the, the word is being sown in the soil are the people. So, and others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of, deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. So these are people like us who have good intentions when we hear the word, it's like, wow, I want to follow that or I want to do it. But, but as Jesus puts in here, the, the care, the, it's like being seed sown among thorns. The cares of the world and the deceitfulness, deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. It doesn't yield any fruit. Luke 16, 10 to 13. One who is faithful in, very, in a very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in a very little is also din, dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you to true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? So just pause there for a second. This is another really important principle. Some people say, oh, when I get wealthy, I'll pay more attention to tithing and all that. Guess what? No, you won't. Because if you need to, if, and this scripture is very clear, if you're faithful with very little, then God's gonna, there's a high, high likelihood that he's gonna reward you with more. But if you're unfaithful with a little, you're not, you're not gonna be rewarded with much because you know what? You're probably gonna be unfaithful with a lot. So there's a principle, and this is back to diligence, right? It doesn't matter like how much money we earn. It doesn't matter what kind of career prospects we have. Like we need to be faithful with what we have. And that's a really important principle because when we are, when we're, when we're, when we're faithful with the finances that we have, God's gonna honor, honor that. So verse 13, no servant can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other I think most of you know this next line that comes here. You cannot serve God and money. One of them is gonna have prominence in your heart. And we need to make really clear in our own mind and interactions which one that's gonna be. 
Um, there's a, the Matthew 6 has an, just amazing rich scriptures in, in that about money. And this is one of the sections. I'm going to read a couple big blocks of scripture here. I think you can kind of get a sense of what Jesus is teaching us about here. Um, Matthew 6, 19 to 24. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I used to think that was backwards. Is that right? That doesn't make sense. Where my heart is, that's where my treasure will be. No, what Jesus is saying, for where your treasure is, what you treasure your heart's going to be aligned with it. So when you treasure God and you treasure Jesus and you treasure being a disciple of Jesus and you treasure other people in relationships, that's where your heart's going to be. If I treasure wealth and I chase after it, even though I'm saying, hey, I love you, God, and I want to serve you, my heart's not going to be truly there. And carrying on, right in the same block of of Scripture, uh, verses 25 to 33, Uh, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And we heard some pretty good testimony about that earlier in our prayer time about about things that go on in our life that we can get anxious about. And Jesus said, you can't even add a single hour to your life when you get anxious about stuff. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? So a view of a little faith. So he's saying, hey, don't obsess about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or what you're going to wear. Those are kind of the basic necessities. He goes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look after you. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, and remember Jesus that this is speaking mostly to a Jewish audience. For the, I'll just say the, follow, the non-Jewish people uh, seek after these things, people who don't know the God, And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So one of the, I'm going to take this back to honoring God with the first fruits of our produce and tithing. Here's here's what happened when Nancy and I made a commitment a couple decades ago that we were going to do that. Um, We didn't get more money coming in. Our income didn't change. But you know, it's subtly over time, for whatever reason, at the end of the month, there was enough, there was always money in the bank account. Even though the first fruits, you write a check or transfer it based on your, based on your gross income. And you know, as I, over time, as we've done that, what my observation has been, you know, stuff just doesn't break as often. You know, that, that dishwasher that used to take a lot of repair, it seemed to last longer, or the washing machine. And uh, any of you that have ever visited us in our kitchen, we have a we have a stove from 1988 in our kitchen. So that thing is still going. And it's not even the same color as all the other appliances, but, you know, still works. We've spent $0 on that in 35 years. So that's the kind of, you know, that's the kind of stuff that happens when we, you know, when we stop being anxious and when we seek first God and his righteousness. 
you know, the things that you need, God will make sure you, God will make sure you have them. So, again, I just, I want to just, again, kind of wrap up here with those two themes. So, again, the first theme is make wise financial decisions with money. You know, again, we can use this wisdom whether we're followers of Jesus or not because it's some of it's kind of universal principles. I did mention before, if there's anybody that's really struggling with this today and it says, I, I really need help, uh, come and see me after the service uh, and we'll direct you to some. Like we've actually done some, some courses on here and we've actually done teaching on this and there's some really good, there's some really good resources from Christians on this, on this topic. Uh, the second theme, again, is understanding the spiritual implications of wealth. And I just want to say, like, you know, if you're struggling with this, I'm praying that you will have a reorientation of the way you honor God with the financial resources he has given you. And it all starts out with honoring God. You know, he's, we're, whatever we put in our, whatever we write or when we do a, a transfer, we're bringing back the God what he's already blessed us with. So that's an important attitude. So I want to finish with a really beautiful piece of poetry out of Proverbs from uh, verse, uh, Proverbs 30, verses 8 and 9. So this is, a, this is a great way, I think, to wrap up financial wisdom. Um, the author goes, Two things I ask of you, deny them not to me before I die. The first one is, remove far from me falsehood and lying. Second one is, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. So I'll just read that again. You know, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. And what he's saying, lest I be full and deny you, what he's saying is don't give me way more than I can handle because all of a sudden it's gonna be, wow, my barns are full. What do I need God for? I'm, you know, I'm just gonna say, who's the Lord? Why do I need him? Look what I've done on my own. So he said, don't give me too much that I can't handle. And that also goes back to the principle of, you know, if you're faithful with a little, God will give you more because he knows you'll be faithful with it. So if we get too much, what, he, what the author of this uh, text is saying, I don't want to be full and deny you and say, who's the Lord? Or, lest I be poor, and there's nothing wrong with being poor, but it, if it causes you to do dishonest things, that's where it is, and steal and profane the name of my God. So there we have it in roughly 30 minutes. Uh, lots, lots of financial wisdom, lots of knowledge, uh, that hopefully, uh, as you know, as you examine what's going on in your life with this, uh, that you'll be able to apply. And again, I'm we're uh, happy to. If there's some resources you're looking for, we're happy to refer some some to you for that. And um, in closing, my closing thought with this is again, I just want to share if if, if uh, all of us struggle with this at some or have struggled with it at some point in the, in in the past and probably will at some point in the future. And I, it's, a, it's, an, it's a tool that our adversary can often use to take us off the course of fully serving. So my, my, you know, the, the best advice I could give you is the diligence one that came in there. Honor the Lord and be diligent with, you know, with honoring him with your money. Uh, and you just, you know, my own personal life, that just took a, took a burden off of me that uh, was, was keeping me from...